Hello and welcome to this episode of the Event Manager Podcast, the podcast for event professionals who want to stay ahead of the game by hearing from the leading innovators in the event industry. My name is Miguel Nevsh, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of EventMB. In this episode titled Investing in Event Tech, I have the pleasure of speaking with Marco Giberti, the founder and CEO of Vesuvio Ventures. We cover some great topics around entrepreneurship and investing in event tech. We talk about the fantastic mission of the event industry, which is connecting people. We talk about why the event industry should work better and closer with tech. We talk about why having lots of event problems to solve is great news for event tech entrepreneurs. We talk about some of the success stories of always on events. We talk about which verticals of event tech are most exciting right now. And we talk about why having digital offices and digital venues really is the future. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation and I invite you to check out other episodes of the Event Manager podcast with tips and insights from today's most influential event professionals. You can find all the episodes on our website or you can subscribe via your favorite podcast service. Now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Event Manager Podcast. I am delighted to have with me today Marco Giberti, the CEO and founder of Vesuvio Ventures. Marco, thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Marco, um, we've had you on the show before, not on the show before, but we've had you on uh, event manager or event MB events before. Um, and we know, we know you quite well, but for people who don't know who you are, could you tell us a little bit about your, your journey in the event industry? Sure. Uh, I'm originally from Argentina. That's why my exotic accent. Um, and my first corporate job was with Apple computers um, in charge of marketing for Latin America. And I started my career with tech. And I still love tech, as you will probably see later on in our conversation. But part of my job at Apple was running events. And I immediately understood the power of events as a marketing tool. And um, I was also pretty clear uh, in terms of being an entrepreneur instead of a corporate uh, person. And I quit Apple to start my first venture. Um, I joined a B2B publishing company. As part of that company, we launched an events business and we focused initially on technology events. And, and we also launched during the first internet uh, babble uh, in the late 90s, an e-commerce uh, initiative. Fast forward, we were able to scale those businesses and, and sell those businesses to strategic acquirers and exit the B2B publishing business with Pearson in UK, the e-commerce business with uh, Liberty Media here in US. And I did a joint venture with Read Exhibitions, which is one of the largest uh, event organizers at that time was the largest. And um, I was their partner for a portfolio of events um, for 
more than 10 years, almost 12 years. And we were able to build a very nice uh, business. And at that time, I already started to feel, again, the corporate feeling. And, and I transitioned out, sold my remaining equity in the business and started Vesuvio Ventures um, a little bit more than 10 years ago, on my early 40s. And my thesis was that I wanted to go back to my geeky roots and go back to tech, but invest time and money resources on tech startups around areas that I should understand and hopefully help founders. And those areas are naturally related to my previous life as an operator. And um, I focus on uh, four verticals, which are education technology, marketing technology, media technology, and live events tech. And uh, I continue to invest as well in, in events uh, because I love it and, and I still have a, a lot of fun um, experimenting with, with events. But uh, in Vesuvio, what, what I do is basically from early stage investments up to growth uh, capital and growth strategy and, and supporting those, those startups and sometimes helping on, on path to exit and, and M&A as well, which is stuff that I did also in my previous life as an operator. Fascinating. Um, would love to, you know, if, if you don't mind, you know, I don't expect you to name any names, but can you give me an example of how that works? You know, the work that you do at Vesuvio Ventures, like how do you help companies? If you could talk us through a, a case study of sorts, if you will, I think that would be really useful uh, for our listeners. Yes. Yes. Well, sometimes uh, let's start with the startups. When I work with startups, if it's very, very early, I'm usually uh, an early stage advisor investor, uh, sometimes even the first check um, and, and hopefully help that long journey from the early days until the company has the chance to exit. Um, I'm doing that for 10 years and I'm starting to see the results. It's a long journey. Uh, it usually takes, you know, seven to 10 plus years. Um, and, and it's very, very rewarding, but also tough. Um, and as a, as a previous entrepreneur, hopefully I bring some perspective to founders and, and help them to take some shortcuts and avoid some mistakes that, you know, many of us did and, and still do on a regular basis. When it's a growth company, uh, sometimes I co-invest with venture capital or with private equity, and I'm usually the industry guy, someone that in theory, should understand the business a little bit better than the classic um, uh, private equity or VC who is agnostic. And sometimes, as I said before, uh, when I identify the buyer, could be private equity or strategic buyer, uh, I help them to analyze and, and acquire the right uh, business. Or uh, on the seller side, when some of the companies that I know are ready for exit and they believe that they will have a better opportunity selling the company or doing a partnership than just raising money or growing organically, I help them to um, analyze opportunities and, and path to exit, which means those are classic examples on, on how I work with startups or also with, with big companies. And so it's not just <clears throat> the financial side, right? There's there's a lot of advising and do you see yourself also as sort of a, a consultant to these companies and, and, and a coach in some ways? Yes, a coach, yes. Uh, I'm not a traditional consultant. I'm an entrepreneur. I still think as an entrepreneur, which means many, many times I don't say or do the political things that a classic consultant will do. Uh, and as my wife keeps joking with me, sometimes I'm brutally honest. And, and, and that's for me as an entrepreneur is good, but for, for some people uh, could be 
um, tough, but I, I, I coach uh, the, the founders or the C team. Yes, absolutely. And um, I, I help them from uh, an operational. I still think as an operator, which means um, hopefully I can share some, some ideas or, or lessons learned um, on the way to capitalize growth opportunities. And the way that I engage with these companies, it could be as a traditional investor or as an advisor, and depending the size or the deal structure, I try to be as creative and flexible as possible because sometimes, as you know, early stage or small companies, they are not able to afford uh, a traditional uh, advisory deal. And of course, uh, equity is their currency. And sometimes when it's a big private equity or strategic, it's it's easier uh, for them to to justify the investment in these sort of opportunities. Really interesting. And so, have you been able to go back to your roots? Because it sounded like you were, you were trying to sort of somehow go back to your roots. But is there something stopping you, or are you always sort of deviating? No, in some way? Uh, the, the the I I am very happy with uh, the way that I was able to uh, reinvent my uh, work related activities. Uh, I, I promised myself that I will not go back to a CEO role or full PL role uh, because I did it three times. I know how it feels and I know the, the, the trade-off on a personal basis and on, on a family basis, uh, which means I was able to keep that promise to me and to my wife and kids. Um, you know, I was an entrepreneur since I was very, very young and, and for your entrepreneurs in your audience, uh, they they probably know what that means in terms of the the uh, hard and long hours and days and years and and the ups and downs, which means I, I'm very happy on on the model that I was able to create because I still uh, work with with entrepreneurs on a daily basis and I have a lot of fun. But also, I think that I can translate the entrepreneurial world to the corporate world because honestly, I was able to spend, as I said before, many years with with a public company like Reed and understand um, in detail how the corporate mindset works or the private equity mindset. It sounds like you still enjoy the event industry very much. Yeah, it's funny because when I sold uh, to Reed, uh, as I said, more than 10 years ago, I thought, okay, events is done. I'm not coming back to events. And, you know, 10, 12 years later, I'm still around in same capacity. I think, I think at events, it's quite addictive. Uh, and, and I remember when I interview people for, for events or event technology as well, I keep telling them, look, if, if you don't like this industry, you're going to be out in less than six months because it can really burn you. It's, it's, it's high intensity and high uh, adrenaline and long hours and stressful and whatever. But if you like it, uh, you're going to be around for a long time because it's hard to leave. I, I, I still believe that after 25 years uh, plus uh, uh, connecting with events, I still enjoy the, the events industry from, from different angles. I, I think that this, at the end, to keep it simple, events, it's an industry where you connect people where you connect buyers and sellers, if it's B2B or, you know, uh, celebrities or fans with their sports teams or, or entertainment. But B2B, I, my main pleasure with events is you're helping people to connect with each other and companies to connect with each other and, and, and do businesses and, and generate uh, 
jobs. It's it's a fantastic um, mission in in many ways, and and I still enjoy when when an exhibitor tells me stories about how they this particular event that I was producing changed their company uh, life and future and whatever. It's 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 a fantastic um, feeling when when I can have those conversations with both buyers and sellers uh, as part of the event experience. Absolutely. And so talk to me a little bit about how you've seen the industry change since you've started being involved. Obviously, you know, technology has changed a lot, but maybe the face-to-face -face side hasn't changed so much. How have you seen this development for, from your perspective? Mixed feelings. Uh, I started, as I said, more than 25 years ago, and, and it was easier uh, because I remember I was one of the Comdex partners in Latin America, and Comdex used to be the largest technology show in the world during those days. And I remember launching a show and, and have a sold-out situation after a couple of days, and, and life was beautiful, fat margins, high growth, uh, pretty simple business. You basically sell space, very expensive. You send some brochures out and people show up and and most of the time people are having a pretty good ROI on their experience. Uh, today is different. It's way more competitive uh, in, in many ways. But on the other side, my frustration was uh, and still is uh, that in, this industry should do a better job engaging with technology an increasing return of investment for all stakeholders. I was frustrated 10 or 20 years ago as an event organizer. I'm still frustrated today as an event technology investor, advisor, or also as an event organizer because I still participate in, on, on, on events, um, which means I think that uh, it's an industry that takes a long time to engage change. And because the business was so successful, uh, change was not urgent, um, and 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 it took a long, long time. Now it's a very exciting time because, of course, COVID accelerated decades of innovation into a couple of years, and we're starting to see some signals that, well, finally our industry is going to be changing fast. Um, nobody knows how fast or how dramatic or in which specific models, but I was convinced that this industry needed to change 10 years ago. I'm still convinced today, and I'm in some ways grateful that this uh, tragedy, which is COVID, uh, in many ways accelerated some changes that in the long term should be very, very positive for our industry. And when you say that the industry needs to change, do you, do you have an idea of where you want to see the industry go or what those changes are in some sense? Yes. Uh, I believe that as an industry, we need to do a way better job showcasing return of investment to every single stakeholder. Uh, it's a problem around the industry for a long, long time. You probably heard millions of times exhibitors complaining about, yeah, I put a lot of money and time, but I don't know where is the return coming from live events. Uh, and I know exactly where is the return coming from digital media or other marketing investments. I think that as an industry, that's a big pending issue. I think that we need to make the whole user experience, regardless if it's an exhibitor, speaker, or visitor, easier and, and, and more uh, fun and rewarding. I believe that we need to engage technology as a tool to make our events 
um, as I said before, more productive, but also to extend the event cycle. Uh, I think that events for two or three days is no longer enough. And events should be broader and engage technology and, and engage community, buyer-seller community, on a way that is more productive. And of course, I'm biased because I'm a technology investor, but I think that technology is a massive part of the solution for many of those problems. Uh, and not because I honestly believe that as an investor or advisor on, on the field, because I saw that happening in many other industries like media. You're a media guy. You saw what happened on the media industry in the last 10 or 20 years uh, or finance or education or medicine or many other, many other industries that were disrupted by media, uh, uh, by technology, sorry. And, and, and I think that now is probably time for events to experience something similar during the next five, 10 years. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. So I wanted to jump to technology. You know, you've talked about it a little bit. And of course, at Event MB, we talk a lot about technology. Would, would be really interested to understand, you know, if there's any technology that excites you, any technology that you've seen that maybe goes towards answering those questions or, or kind of uh, solving those challenges that you mentioned earlier. Uh, I'm sure you see a lot of things <laughs> coming through. Yes. But What's what's getting you excited? What do you think is, is something that really has a strong future ahead? I, I will start saying that the thing that gets me excited is the fact that there are dozens or probably more than 100 problems around live events that could and should be uh, fixed by technology, which means it's not a straight answer. There are so many problems that are technology friendly, uh, and that's super exciting, and, and, and it's going to generate dozens of successful startups with bright entrepreneurs fixing those problems and using technologies for that. And we're starting to see that. If you see, if you take a picture today in comparison with 10 years ago, which is a very short time frame, you will see 10 or 20 companies moving into unicorn status, uh, growing like hell, raising capital from very sophisticated investors and fixing problems through technology that are not easy problems to fix around live events. Matchmaking is one of those problems. For example, I'm obsessed with matchmaking for 20 years. And I was always thinking, how can we capture data and put the right buyer in front of the right seller at the right time, at the right place on an, on an easy way? It's easy to ask that question. It's extremely difficult to answer that. But now you have at least five or six companies doing an amazing job uh, facilitating those connections before, during, and after the event creating thousands of new meetings that will not be happening if it's not because of that particular technology. That's an example where I believe that we're moving into the right direction. I was super excited with AR, VR uh, five years ago, and I was so wrong because uh, it took forever. Still uh, very, very marginal in our industry, but I believe that everything that is happening around metaverse and, 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 and those big bolts bets from Microsoft buying Activision or Facebook changing the name to Meta, 
are going to have an impact around events uh, because um, technology is going to be more affordable and better, and it's going to allow many opportunities around the live events experience, uh, which means I, I, I continue to be bold on, on everything around AR, VR for live events uh, because we're going to see so many use cases that it's going to be exciting. I'm also excited in terms of um, understanding how events could be a 365 proposal and not just a couple of days. Uh, which means everything that it's around digital platforms or B2B marketplaces or things like that. I'm super, super excited. And we're starting to see some very interesting success stories on, on those fronts, which is a challenge and an opportunity for event organizers. Uh, it's a challenge because those B2B platforms could compete with live events, but it's an opportunity because if we find a way to partner with those um, opportunities, both should benefit from that. And uh, we saw a couple of experiments in format doing a partnership with New Order a year or a couple of years ago. Some, some B2B platforms starting to think about their own events strategy. And it's going to be fantastic to see how that model uh, evolves in the future. Of course, NFTs and blockchain applications for live events, it's a broad opportunity. And, and I'm super excited to see some initial ideas around those concepts. Um, because it could really help in, in many, um, again, use cases where the event organizer creates something simple and scalable for, for, for their customers, which means every single big tech new category, I bet you that we're going to see smart entrepreneurs thinking live events applications for that technology. And that's, that's super exciting for someone like me. Again, I have this weird combination of two or three decades of experience around tech, media, live events. And when I put all those thinking process ideas together, um, I always think on, on new uh, big tech opportunities, uh, events um, customized in some way, which means I don't think that this is slowing down at all. Uh, and the amount of capital outside uh, from venture capital continues to grow, which means if you're a good entrepreneur with a good idea, ready to work hard around fixing some of these events problems uh, with, a, with a technology solution, I think that the opportunity is going to be around uh, for a long, long time. Yeah, fascinating. So you've talked a little bit about the future and how these technologies are, are hopefully going to help and, and what they're going to be able to do. Do you have a clear vision uh, of what the future of events looks like? I wish. Uh, and if someone tells you yes, I think that he or she is probably lying because nobody, nobody has the crystal ball on an industry like this one that, in change, that is changing so fast. Uh, I know some very smart people with bold ideas and theses, and I think that uh, some of those ideas or theses are starting to be more consistent. I, I, I'm a very curious guy. I was always a very curious person, and I love talking with, with people that I respect from an intellectual perspective. And I keep asking questions, and some of the answers, when I talk with very sophisticated investors, entrepreneurs, or events, uh, corporate people, some of those answers are starting to be consistent in some theses and lines of thinking, which means there are some ideas that are starting to be uh, pretty consistent. Now, 
are those ideas going to stick around in the next couple of decades? Who knows? Uh, but I'm starting to believe that uh, events are probably not going to be a couple of days, and that's it. I'm starting to believe that digital engagement between B2B communities and um, events is going to be a bigger thing, which means some entrepreneurs are going to start creating digital communities, and those communities are going to meet face-to-face, and probably events is going to be just one marketing activation from many others. And again, as a media technology guy, I think that you understand exactly where that model could generate opportunities and also challenges. I believe that uh, every single stakeholder is going to pay more attention into sustainability around events. And those organizers who understand that uh, model will be rewarded. And those who don't pay attention to that will be punished. I believe that... um, Uh, As I said many times, return of investment is going to be critical and tech engagement in order to create that return of investment measurement is going to be a very important tool. I'm very excited with the future of education around events um, because EdTech as a category continues to grow. I, I invest a lot of time in education technology and I'm starting to translate some of those technologies that I see around schools or universities into a conference. And, and, and it's going to be fascinating to see how education could be a way for uh, media or event organizers to capture data, engagement, and monetize their communities. Um, as you can see, there are many, many exciting uh, opportunities. But uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm always excited and optimist. Uh, as a normal human being, uh, I need to be aware about the challenges that many of these opportunities are going to generate on traditional meeting planners or event organizers. Yeah. And, and talking about challenges, are there any things or, or one thing in the event industry as a whole that, that you'd like to see change so that maybe these, these opportunities can actually come to fruition? Yeah, I, I, I think that the change is exhibitor-driven. Uh, let me let me translate that, which means when you're running an event for profit, uh, your exhibitors are key in order to have the profit, because usually your visitors or buyers uh, or speakers are not going to be generating a ton of your profit. Those exhibitors are pushing harder than ever to organizers to say, look, I don't know if I need such a big space on the show. I probably need less space, but more digital engagement, data capture, meetings, matchmaking, education, stuff like that. That message is not new. It's there for a long, long time, but now it's bolder than ever. And many of these companies skip events for a couple of years and they're still alive. And and they're rethinking, do I really need to do this again? Uh, Or could I reshuffle the whole model? Uh, You probably heard me before saying, that story about Yoda in Star Wars, Star Wars when he is coaching Luke Skywalker and he says, you have to unlearn and learn again in order to become a Jedi. I keep saying that example for, for a long time right now because I honestly think that event organizers will need to listen to Yoda in detail and unlearn and learn again their business if they want to uh, stay alive and, and be relevant for, for their communities. But on the other side, I think that it's probably early days in order to be very dogmatic about the future. We're early days in terms of engagement with technology, new business model, hybrid, all those cool things that every single seminar and conference is talking about our industry. 
still very, very early days. Um, th there is a very good example that I heard the other day on, 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 a, on a podcast, actually, uh, talking about, I think it was Mark Benioff talking about his own thesis for Salesforce, thinking that in the future, they're going to have a physical office, but they're going to have a digital office. Uh, and they're going to allow their employees to work remote and all the stuff that we're seeing in many industries. And as, again, as an event recovering organizer, I, I started to think immediately that events will need to do the, th the same, which means events will need a physical venue in the future, but also a digital venue uh, for their events and their communities. So probably the physical venue is going to be activated in two or three days, but the digital venue is going to be activated way longer than that from different sort of education, networking, meetings, activations. If big companies like Salesforce or Microsoft are thinking on that way, I tend to believe that something is going to happen uh, because they're pretty smart guys and, and they smell the future pretty well. Um, I think that as event guys or media guys, we should pay attention to those trends and, and keep thinking how could we customize those sort of solutions for our customers. Fascinating. Nope, that sounds like a, a int very interesting way of, of, of bringing in everything together. So I thank you for that. Marco, I, I think we should wrap up, but I'd love to ask you the question that we ask every guest um, to recommend a future guest of the Event Manager podcast. Who should we be talking to? Well, uh, look, you know that I wrote that book, Reinventing Life, um, early 2021. I, I would say Many of those guys that we interviewed for the book, like Adam Levant, for example, he's the founder of Network. Uh, he he started events solely to read as well. Now he's he launched a, he calls the QVC for millennials model. Is one of the case studies in our book. Super smart guy, uh, Jay Wentrab, um, my partner in many events and, and tech investments. I co-wrote with him the face of digital in 2017. Super smart guy. He thinks digital and he thinks events in parallel um, and build very interesting things. I would say that probably 80% of the people that we interviewed in the book should, should give you an interesting perspective into a conversation like this. I appreciate that, and I think we'll we'll be uh, reaching out to you to get some uh, some contact details so we can have some more interesting guests. Marco, really Anytime. appreciate your time. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast and sharing your knowledge and your experience. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you with us. Thank you, Miguel. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Event Manager Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For the latest news and the best articles on technology and innovation in the event industry, head over to eventmb.com.